so stupid. He comes across in front of me every single time he overtakes. Where does he want me to go off the track? No! Stop talking to me in the braking zone! Guaranteed not to crash in the first corner of the pace lap. Welcome to Motorsport 101. Brought to you by Chevrolet. Find new roads. You are the world champion! Uh, what's the worst that could happen? Um, <laughs> welcome to episode 143 of Motorsport 101. I am your friendly neighbourhood host, Mr. Andre Harrison. And a uh, pleasure to be with you as always on this one. And um, whew, there's going to be a very big IndyCar flavour to uh, this week's proceedings. And uh, yeah, here for the ride as we get into Detroit's double set of races from Belle Isle, and it was a fun kind indeed. So, before we get into it, uh, let's introduce the, sh- the panelists on the show this time around. Um, first of all, before anything else, um, RJ, I know you'll be listening to this, um, you- you've probably already seen it on his social media if you follow him on Twitter and, and whatnot, that is- sadly his grand passed away this past weekend, um, and that's why he's not on this week's show. So on behalf of everyone at M101, um, we're all with you, RJ. We love you, man, and uh, hope you come back soon. It's not quite the same without you, man. And uh, I, I raise my copper bergen toast to you, sir. Um, so uh, we'll come come back soon and come back happy and healthy. Um, in the meantime, we still have Mr. Ryan King here. Hello, sir. Yeah, uh, trying to. Oh God, not not cape for Chevrolet. <laughs> <laughs> has it has it really come to this? Uh, I guess so. I mean, <laughs> j- just just to notice, everyone, I am not a paid employee of Chevrolet or General Motors in any way, shape, or form. Yeah, he's just getting that full disclosure right there so we don't get sued. Um, <laughs> but, um, yeah. Also joining us, the Super Sub is back in the house. Say hello to Zoe Hamilton, everybody. Yep, and my voice is now fully recovered after screaming the other week. Really? We sure about this? Yes. You, you you mean like the Saturday qualifying session didn't do any further damage? No, that was just more bouncing up and down. <laughs> because there was still the race to go. And I knew my heart could be broken then. <laughs> <laughs> She's used to this, people. She's used to this. Um, so yeah, before we get into into Detroit news, let's break down the places you can usually find us. We are on our brand new website. Well, brand new home anyway. I'm still not bored of saying it yet. Motorsport101.com. Ah. It's like that beam of the button that just says not written on it. It's great. Um, <laughs> you, can, you can follow us on YouTube, youtube.com forward slash motorsport101. We're on facebook.com forward slash motorsport101. You can follow us on Twitter at motorsport underscore 101. And if you'd like to follow our personal handles, you can at Harrison101HD, at Ryan Eric King with two Ks, and at we Zoe. And if you really, really like us, you can back us on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash motorsport 101 five dollars gets you early access to both this show and to bike live as well a little bit on that in a minute shout out to our man aaron evans who upped his pledge as well to a very conveniently and i think on brand ten dollars and ten cents i see what you did there aaron well played 
well played. Um, <laughs> so shout out to you, sir. And uh, yeah, if you haven't listened to it already, episode 62 of Bike Live went live this Sunday straight after the MotoGP round in Mugello. Um, talking about World Superbikes in Donington as uh, Magic Mike, uh, Michael Vandermark, uh, broke the 51-race streak of Ducati and Kawasaki dominating in World Superbikes to take Yamaha's first hair um, of multi bike victories since Yamaha's return to the sport a couple of years ago. Great to see from that. Top rack, Razgatalogu surprising everybody by coming in second in race two, beating the world champion Jonathan Ray on the same bike in the process. Very cool. And Anna Carrasco as well, going back-to-back in the Supersport 300 class. To uh, <laughs> I was like, I have to come in and say as well. Henry in the Discord just said nailed it, Dre, and I was like, thanks. I've been practicing on top rack. That's uh, that that's, that's taking me like three weeks to uncurl my tongue from the last time. But um, yeah, Anna Carrasco going back to back in World Super Sport 300 and further cementing her championship lead and making a mockery of all the boys. Here for all of it. Here for all of it. Um, episode 63 will be out later this week as well. Um, and that will be all about MotoGP at Mugello, probably the Blue Ribbon event of the year. And wait, what do you mean, Jorge Lorenzo won? King, explain. <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. I'll just, I, I just need to get this off my chest now. Marquez did nothing wrong. <laughs> Besides pick up, plus pick up probably too hard a rear tire and just couldn't save it into the chicane. Yeah, that 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 he did wrong, but everything else, <laughs> everything else was fine. I mean, really, um, yeah. Jorge Lorenzo dominating only this time in red. Yeah, it's kind of weird. Only the sixth man, actually, believe it or not, to win a MotoGP Premier Class race on a second different manufacturer of bike. It's a very exclusive club, that one, actually. Um, although it's gained, like, two members in the last two years because of Maverick Vinales last year joining that club as well, having wins for Suzuki and Yamaha. But, uh, yeah, all of that. And we'll talk about the hair that almost committed Harry Carey by running in front of Jorge Martins' bike in Moto3. It, it, like, it, it's, it's, it's a fun time. It's a fun time for all involved. All that, me and Lewis on Bike Live later this week, episode 63 of Bike Live. Uh, Lorenzo reclaiming the land, as it were. His first win in, God, I think nearly 18 months. Um, kind of a crazy one. So, yeah, without that and further ado off this quick musical break, we'll get into IndyCars Duel in Detroit. Okie folks, let's get into Belle Isle, the duel in Detroit for IndyCar, and the first race after the epic Indy 500 weekend, and uh, like, I can't believe I'm reading this out was the first bullet point for race one on Saturday, because apparently, King, what I've written here is that Marco Andretti had his first pole position in nearly five years. What the hell happened? <laughs> I, uh, I, I did not see alike. qualifying, so... I didn't see qualifying, so to me, this is all a massive conspiracy. (laughs) (laughs) It's an F you to the establishment. (laughs) I'm assuming this, like, qualifying session didn't actually take place. Our friend Krista Hardy is telling me otherwise because he was there and saw it in person. (laughs) Yeah, not only that, on pole by half a second, too. Like, Like, it's just... 
like, because for those guys that don't know, in Detroit they do qualify a little bit differently. There's two sessions, one for each race on the Saturday and the Sunday. They just split the whole. There's not the usual format of two groups of twelve and then they narrow it down to twelve and then six. They just go by one session. Fastest time will take that corresponding spot on that row. So, if you're first in Group One, you're guaranteed to start on the front row. Um, whoever has the fastest time in the combined group will take the highest slot on that row. So, for example, if Dixon did a one ten one and Wickens did a one ten two, Dixon will start first in Group One, and then obviously Wickens will start second. I tried to. I made a bit of a dog's dinner of that, but I think I got there in the end. But um, yes, Marco Andretti's first pole position in nearly five years. I think his last one, I want to say, was God. I think it was Pocono back in 2013. I want to say. Um, yeah, and it was his yeah. first. It was his first pole not on an oval ever. Zoe, explain. <laughs> it is the fence he's had poles on road courses, like outside of IndyCar. But this is the first time he's ever had it on a street course. And also, he was the only one to go with under a minute 15. Bloody wet session in round two. (laughs) But uh, yeah, quite right. I mean, you can't argue with it. I mean, Marco was just that good. Um, Came out of nowhere on that one. Um, Fastest by a country mile, especially in that second group. He was eight tenths quicker than Robert Wickens um, in his particular group. And yeah, his 14-8 was six temps quicker than Scott Dixon in Group 1, who would line up alongside him on the front row. Um, with, yeah, as mentioned, uh, Alex Rossi and Robert Wickens side-by-side on row two. Insert joke here. But um, remember that. It becomes important later. Um, but yeah, like Marco took the pole and led some laps. And Zoe was probably too busy bouncing up and down again, right? I was just appreciating the moment. <laughs> by bouncing up and down mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> just, just, just thought and we'd just, establish this <laughs> just silently hoping that his car didn't decide to go on fire or he had any electrical issues like the last time mm-hmm. he's a few times he started high up no um, jammed throttle yeah 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 just <laughs> Unfortunately, Marco's uh, time at the front was uh, curtailed due to old-fashioned um, r- policies of not being fast enough. Um, <laughs> well, it w- kind of, kind of. <laughs> it was because they went. He went in for the pits first, mm. and it was eight seconds. Then Dixon went into the pits and was six seconds. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Chip was fast on the pit stops all weekend. Um, yeah, and uh, Dixon came out in front. And um, if there is one place you do not want to see Scott Dixon in an IndyCar race, it's at the front. Because at that point, he almost hardly ever loses. Um, it was just... It was textbook Dixie. Um, had clear air in front of him when Marco came in. Brilliant in that brilliant outlap. And next thing you know, he was gone. Um, well, kind of gone. Because... Uh, well, there was a couple of incidents that made it a little bit interesting towards the end. I mean, the field bunched up again due to a couple of cautions, um, which we'll get to in a minute. But uh, it turned into a bit of a straight-up time trial sort of dogfight at the end with uh, Dixon in the lead and, and with Ryan Hunter Ray just a couple of attempts behind trying to find a way through. Couldn't do it. Why? Because Scott Dixon. That's why. It, <laughs> it should be also be noted that Hunter Ray was the only one to do the free-stop strategy of the front-runner where he started further back, went on the free, free stop strategy and mm-hmm. made it work compared to the others. 
Yeah, the the, the cautions involved uh, kind of brought him back into play on that one. And uh, as mentioned, yes, the Hunter Ray, the only one of the leading group on the free stop strategy beautifully. Well, it was the second most brilliant free stopper of the weekend from Ryan Hunter Ray. Again, more on that in a bit. But um, yeah, as a result, Dixon narrowly held off. Uh, Hunter right at the end of the race to take uh, to take his first take his was this this is his first one of the season isn't it for Dixon? Yep, this first win of the year. You mentioned he name dropped PNC Bank so hard that they've been helping them out, uh, you know, so much this year. Stepping in as their sponsor, and he's finally glad to get the monkey off his back and get his first win. We're talking about Scott Dixon taking a monkey off his back. It's <laughs> it's come to this. We're one of you know, we're le- legitimately one of the greatest IndyCar drivers, one of the greatest drivers of this era, period. And again, as Henry points out in the Discord chat, almost a, an entire calendar year since his last victory. You'd have to go back to Road America last season for his last victory. Um, an eleven-month dry spell for Dixon, but uh, he's always there. Like, it's, uh, like he always finds a way to get involved in the title fight one way or another because Dixon just doesn't screw up very often. Um, yeah, and as they say, Dixon uh, finds a way. He finds a way. He always finds a way. And, <laughs> and he's now tied with Michael Andretti for most wins in third at 42. Yeah, 42. I know Michael was very humble about it, but I know he wasn't He wasn't best pleased about it. I mean, I mean, his, his team did have a good outing that race. He, his cars finished second, third, fourth, and then Zach Veaton 12th. It's, it's not a bad day. I mean, the tweet from Michael Andretti after the race was quite funny. He goes, Congrats, Scott Dixon, for winning the Detroit IndyCar race and tying me for third all-time in open-wheel wins. I know you'll pass me eventually, but just don't do it tomorrow. Crying emoji. <laughs> laughing emoji. But seriously, you're a great champion and will win many more. Uh, a, a very classy tweet for Mr. Andretti, if I do say so myself. Um, but as mentioned, a very good day for Andretti. As mentioned, I mean, again, when, when, when you're when free of your four, the three big hitters in your team are finishing second, third, and fourth. You really can't complain too much. Um, just get an excellent weekend for Andretti Dixon, finishing ahead of Hunter Ray. Alex Rossi in third, rounding off the podium. Marco Andretti fourth, and even the young and Zach Veach have solid result there in twelfth as well. I mean, I mean, let's get into somebody more juicier incidents during this race. Uh, one caution came out as a result of a. Uh, Graham Rahal trying to grab the lead, and instead he grabbed the curb and then put it in the wall, um, coming off the final corner. Um, King, this was a big one. I mean, that was about as big an incident as you could have coming out of that last corner as you could possibly imagine. Oh, dear, yeah. He hit it the wrong way, and he got taken for a ride. Yeah, he just put, he put, he put a couple of wheels on the, on the front curb. Um... Um, you know, on the inside, and uh, just had a, a big snap of understeer. And next thing you know, he's he's he's, he's parked it thoroughly into the wall. That was uh, deep on on the wall. That had to be airlifted out. Um, the car had to be anyway. Had to be craned out. But uh, luckily, Graham was okay. Um, a shame for the, the you know, last year's double winner um, here in Detroit. Um, just a very unfortunate. I mean, that was, he was running, I think, in fourth place when he hit the wall as well. So, uh, 
that would have been a really solid result um, for, for Graham, especially for his title hopes as well. But uh, in the wall um, on that one, finishing stone dead last in the end in 23rd place. And another one, unfortunately, uh, making his IndyCard series debut um, from the Ask Development team, Santino Ferrucci, uh, made his IndyCar series debut. We talked about it last week a little bit. But uh, King, he was hit by a... a, a shall we say, a long-running spell on, on Motorsport 101 of uh, Kimble Pimble has returned in dramatic fashion and uh, Centino was collected in this case. Yeah, you got Charlie Kimble trying to singly, single-handedly reignite the East Coast-West Coast beef. <laughs> Says the guy born in England. Um... <laughs> <laughs> oh, but yeah, Santino Ferrucci making his debut. Uh... Man, and he ends up in a situation where Charlie Kimball doesn't, you know, hold his line the right way, touches Santino Ferrucci right before breaking zone, so Santino gets punted off at like 240 miles an hour. Yeah, like that was a bad one. It was about, you're going about 150, I think it's about 170 on the run down to turn seven, yeah. and uh, it's, the, it's the fastest part of the track, and he got completely collected and was shot out and spun into the wall. Uh, thankfully, um, only only superficial damage to the car and driver. Um, welcome to the series, Centino. Hope you stick around for a while, but hopefully you don't get kimbled again. Um, Charlie's tweet after the race. Oh my the day god! In the, the number 23 was good. Great pit stops and great fuel mileage. With a rookie, I should have given him more benefits of a doubt. We'll qualify better tomorrow, so we don't have to fight as hard to get up front. Breaking news. This is breaking news. I, 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 Andre Harrison, leader of the Motorsport 101 podcast, would hereby announce that Charlie Kimball has been downgraded again to Draconian. Um, Yo, that, that's, not- a, that's a Waffle House talk. That's a Waffle House talk, Kimball. That's a Waffle House talk. Yeah, that's like... Um- Deja, we get oiled up. <laughs> That 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 means like not not only for serious like a, a serious breach of driver conduct for a horrendous move on Santino Frucci that got him a stop and go penalty for his trouble and deservedly so. Um, then blaming Ferrucci for having no blame whatsoever in that incident to anyone with half a brain cell. Um, so, uh, Kimball, you've been downgraded to Draconian again. Like, stop being such a disappointment, for God's sake. Um, get a grip. But, um, yes, Santino Ferrucci absolutely cannoned into the wall on that one. That was very unfortunate. But, uh, yeah, shame for, shame for the rookie who wasn't having a bad weekend at all. Um, <laughs> so... Yeah, it is what it is on that one. Running down the order for race one real quick. Scott Dixon winning it ahead of Ryan Hunter Ray by just eight tenths of a second in the end. Um, Alex Rossi just a couple of attempts, but actually a couple of seconds further down the road in third. Marco Andretti fourth. Good result from him. Takuma! Hey, nice to Takuma back up the top again. Um... In fifth place, great job from Ed Jones for the Chip Ganassi car in number 10. Congratulations, Ed Jones. You're back to being plucky Brit again. <laughs> Good results, sir. In P6, ahead of the, of the Indy 500 champion himself, Will Power in seventh. Robert Wickens in eighth. Joseph Newgarden, surprisingly quiet this weekend in ninth place, and it, it got worse for him on the Sunday. Spencer Piggott in tenth. James Hinchcliffe, 11th. Probably wouldn't have been that far down if it weren't for the fact he crossed the pit exit. God damn it, James! <laughs> Get a grip! Um, so he, was, he was given a drive-through penalty for that one, which put him down to 11th in the end, ahead of Zach Veach. Sebastian Bourdais in 13th, ahead of Canaan. Matthias Leist, uh, Jordan King. Um, 
Speaking of King, King, what's up with your man's Simon Pagano in 17th? Uh, I, I, I don't know, guys. I, I think I think him and Roger need to have a talk. A talk that involves, hey, um, you could be terminated soon. Yeah, it's like, we, we, know how, we all know how well this worked at the end of the 2015 season where basically Roger said whether's the worst performing Penske will be fired, which was basically a really, a really, really casual way of saying, Simon, you're getting cut if you don't, if you don't improve next season, basically, because Pagano was the lowest ranking Penske by a considerable margin that season. And we all know what happened next. Pagano would go on to win six rounds and take the title the following season. And for, like... And Pagano's defence for that season, he was in a brand mm. new car with a brand new crew who came over from other parts of the Penske team they weren't originally in the IndyCar squad. Um, unfortunately, in this case, with the way it's going this season, it looks like he's struggling to just adapt to this universal aero kit. He's just not been the same, you know, brilliant road and street course driver he was in his title winning season. Um I mean, getting collected by Graham Reynolds in Long Beach probably didn't help either, but, you know, it is what it is. Um, Gabby Chavez um, in 18th place in the end. Uh, Draconian Kimball in 19th. Max Chilton 20th for the sec- in the second carling car. Rene Binder in 21st, who chose, chose to park it on the side road and just you know, go for lunch. Um, Santino Ferrucci in 22nd, and as mentioned, Graham Rahal at the back in 23rd. We fast forward to Sunday, and... Uh, Qualifying again was a little bit hectic here. The rain had come down overnight in Detroit quite heavily, and uh, it, it dried out quite a rate of knots by the time qualifying session happened, which basically meant Group 1 was completely screwed. Um, no matter which way, so, I mean, there's, there's a great clip, as Henry mentions, that Carlin's garage was completely flooded um, overnight just due to the serious amounts of rainfall. But uh, as a result of qualifying Group 1, the guys that would go out first would be the guinea pigs and basically got boned. Um, whoa, 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 whoa. We'll, we'll get to this soon, but you'll realize Group 1 wasn't completely boned. We'll, we'll get to that. Well, because of the way the qualifying is structured, I mean, even if you're slow, you're going to be, you know, on that. If you're fast in the context of the session, you'll still be, like, starting in the front two rows anyway, so it's not all that bad, really, but... As I mentioned, Robert Wickens was the fastest in that first group because, you know, there's only one Bobby Wickens, everybody. There's only one Bobby Wickens. Um, uh, Dre, <laughs> Dre, uh, wrong, wrong group. Group one what featured pole winner Alex Rossi. Whoops, wrong way around. <laughs> Shut up, King. <laughs> well, well, well played, well played. Yes, yes, my bad. Got it the wrong way around. That group came out first. My apologies. But, uh, yeah, and in the other group, I mean, the other group was just significantly faster because, again, the, the track was drying out so quickly. So, you know, the group one dudes in this case were going to have the advantage in terms of, you know, who's fighting for the better position on said row. Um, and Alex Rossi was half a second quicker in that second, well, second group of runners in group one. That's totally not confusing. Ahead of Will Power and Scott Dixon. So Alex Rossi had his third in-car pole position ahead Robert Wickens on the front row. Stop me if you've heard that one before. Um, (laughs) Whose response as he walked out of the press conference and spotted that Rossi had left his keys in the scooter was to take the keys and go off on his own. (laughs) Robert Wickens is salty. Um, (laughs) Good one, Bobby. Good one, Bobby. But uh, Next week, expect Robert's car to be tipped 
duct tape to some random pole. Sure, that works. <laughs> we'll go with that. Couple of incidents. Tony Kanan had, had, had spun it round during that qualifying session, and as a result of causing a red flag, he was not allowed to uh, to recontinue. And in the other group, Joseph Newgarden uh, put it in the wall, which meant he had to start from nineteenth. Um, in that second race. So, uh, yeah, all sorts of carnage in, in those qualifying sessions. So we fast forward a few hours to the race. Um, the track has completely dried out by then. Detroit's clearly got very good draining. Um, good, good for them. Um, <laughs> and uh, we're getting ready for the race start, and um, I end up seeing on Twitter, and I put this out there, and I quote, the pace car has just crashed. No, I'm being... <laughs> no, I'm being serious. Um... <laughs> um Yes, I really did just see a $125,000, 750 horsepower, brand new 2018 Corvette ZR1 completely wrecked and put in a wall. Um, King, explain some context. Ooh, is is there much context? Like, he, he goes around the corner. He had the bump. Yeah, goes around the corner, back in, completely swings out, foot still down face in the wall <laughs> like like what i find really funny about this like okay the crash itself was hilarious i'm not denying this thankfully everybody was okay um but that like the crash itself for me is not the funniest scene of that the funniest scene for me is when the hard camera is shooting down the front of the back straight and all the indie cars are <laughs> stopped as this guy is climbing out of the car he's just wrecked and everybody just looking at him like what the fuck are you doing, man? <laughs> that was... I died when I saw that. I was like, did you see... Yeah. It was brilliant. It was brilliant. Like well, like, well done whoever was on the camera for that scene right there. Well played. Get a raise. Yeah. The 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 driver... The driver of said car was Mark Roy... Uh, Mark Roos, uh, Executive Vice President of Global Production Development, Purchasing, and Supply Chain at General Motors. Good job. <laughs> Mm-hmm. As Marco Andretti said on the radio, what a great advertisement for Chevy. <laughs> Marco Andretti's now shot up like five places in my Dre's IndyCar power rankings list. Well played, Marco. Well played. Yes. Uh, for for those who don't know, uh, Mark Roos has an IMSA race license. He also has an FIAC license. And he also has a license to be a test driver on the Nürburgring Nordschleife. How the hell did he pull that off then? <laughs> You're really not making this case. No, 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 no. Although, if you want the true entertainment, go to his Wikipedia page and then go into the history. Oh, uh, they, they, uh, they've kind of edited his. History. They've had a field day on this one. Shout out to Henry for putting this in the group chat. But like, somebody put his IndyCar series results for 2018 on this. His team Chevrolet Motorsport chassis, Chevrolet ZR1 pace car, and the one race there is Detroit did not start, and they've ranked him 40th in the championship. Whoever did that, well played, sir. You've really made an effort. Yeah, <laughs> like, this person actually, like, I've been looking through, they, they only edited it twice, and that was their second time. And their first time, what they done, let's like this loaded up again. Welcome to Zoe Hamilton and the best of the Wikipedia edits. Uh-huh. They added this line at the end. Due to his incredible talent shown at the Detroit Grand Prix, Roger Penske has been quoted as, Pagano isn't doing so well this year, so a mid-season deal is more definite than possible. <laughs> King, he's coming for your mans. I know who he's going to replace him with, but okay. 
Um, I mean, a great tweet from Adam Cerner mentioned just how big a deal this was. And he says, and I quote, the exposure that Chevrolet and its Corvette brand got yesterday due to ZR1 pace car crash was more than 70 times worth the exposure it got during Detroit's race one on Saturday per Apex Marketing Group. It generated $3.47 million in exposure um, c- c- compared you know, as of this morning, basically. So they also... Uh, like, like Royce himself has uh, released a statement saying, um, "I like I can't believe I took Leroy Sinead's World Cup place." Um, no, I'm joking. Wrong, <laughs> wrong Royce. Um, yeah, he said, "I want to thank you all for your well wishes today. I am okay." I don't know who was asking, but yeah. Um, I've driven this course many, many, many times. I've paced this race in the wet, cold, hot, and calm on ZO6s, Grand Sports, and other things. It's really not that deep, Mark. You know that. <laughs> He's plugging Corvette so hard. Fucking hell. Says, it's never a casual thing for me, but an honor to be asked. Today, I let down my friends, my family. <laughs> no, seriously, he's actually wrote this. Um, my, my friends, my family, IndyCar, our city, and my company. Sorry does not describe it. I want to thank our engineers for providing me the safety I know is the best in the world. But it's not that deep. <laughs> <Jeez>. <laughs> Trey, I, I, Trey, I, I, you I, don't I, know the magnitude of the situation. This was... this. This is the first time I've ever seen anything IndyCar related be the number one post on Reddit. <laughs> like, Lonzo Mania, like, Danica coming back, like, anything IndyCar related be number one on Reddit. But no, it, it's someone wrecking the pace car that takes us to the top. <laughs> Can I just add that I am waiting for Honda to do an advert with one of their... Vice presidents going round a track with a, a wee note underneath saying, "Real vice president." <laughs> nah. As he drives and not crashes. Honda's not that mean spirited. They're, they're, far, they're far too classy for that, unfortunately. <sighs> um, as much as like that would be friggin' hilarious. Um, <laughs> but, oh my! Like, I, I can't. That's the first time I'd seen Royce's statement, and I was like, I, I, I'm dying. Like that's. Oh my god, that like that's like, that is hilarious. My word, um, that that is a thing. So uh, yeah, um, we IndyCar legitimately went viral due to somebody wrecking the pace car. Um, I have now I can't believe I've even uttered this sentence on this show. 143 episodes. I've been in about 135 of them, and that might be the strangest sentence I've ever uttered. That 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 takes some doing. <laughs> yeah, that- that's going into, like, the Hall of Fame of weird motorsports events alongside crashing into jet dryers. Uh, and maybe um, my ex-girlfriend is a trained assassin from episode 7. We've had quite a run over the last three and a half years, honestly. Um, but, um, yeah. So, getting into actual race action itself... Um, it, it's it's been it's been it was quite a thing this this race this this race it took a little while to get going i mean alex rossi took slightly from the pole and alex rossi took off um i think somebody had told him that he'd left the iron on overnight um and he had to get back home in a hurry because he was gone in the first stint <coughs> on, on on the two-stop strategy um, he was on. He was running the uh, the more you know the the more tire saving friendly two-stopper strategy as opposed to the three and he took out like a, I think it was a good five second lead on willpower before the first round of uh before the first round of pit stops um 
but yeah, he, he just took off, King, and like like Rossi's pace at the start was astonishing. Yeah, it seemed like it was going to be one of those like wire to wire Rossi dominating races. Yeah, it, it, it looked that way. He they, they ran, I think, twenty five laps on the opening stint. Uh, went went on the two stopper and, and basically tried to try to win tried to win the race that way. Pardon me, but um, yeah, it was. He, he underestimated one important thing. Right, Hunter Ray's logic was, well, the free stopper worked so well yesterday, why not try it again? And um, this time, <laughs> the, um, yeah, this this time, uh, th- the result was different. And uh, like, we, we got a lot of onboards with Hunter Ray, and it was really genuinely great for me. We see, I will compliment them on one thing at least. Um, but uh, yeah, um, H- Hunter Ray was astonishing. On, on, on this one, my word! Um, he got a, he got a lot of clear laps and traffic because he was running the free stop strategy, and his pace was astonishing. It really came into play um, in in that final stint, especially at the end when he was gunning down Rossi at a rate of knots. I think he was taking about two seconds a lap out of him towards the end. Um, yep. Henry, who is totally not a massive Ryan Hunter Ray fan. As, uh, just put, he had he had the nine fastest laps of that race and twelve out of the fastest thirteen um, in that can, one. Can I just add, continuing his luck from Indy, where every time a car on a uh, Alabama before him, where every time a car has crashed around him, he has somehow avoided it. Sebastian Bourdais spun into the grass. Hunter Ray managed to avoid it yet again. Yes, Hunter Ray dodged it by by literally a, a foot or two. Um, on this one, um, <laughs> as, as Henry Two doesn't shout in the background, he deserves the luck for fuck's sake. <laughs> um, but um, he does, to be fair. Yeah, Bordet had a, had a bit of a nightmare day on that one. Not only did he have a puncher um, coming off the opening lap due to some sort of incident between, between him and Spencer Piggott, um, who had a mechanical failure on the opening lap, and that was, I think, the only caution running we had all day. Um, on, on this one, but uh, yeah, Borde had a puncher, had to come in, had to go back through the field again, and I think it was the the left rear toe link had snapped um, mm-hmm. on Borde's car, which caused him to have a massive spin into turns one and two. Um, did a full 360, was able to keep it going, 9.5 from the Russian judge on that one. Um, <laughs> and was able to continue, but unfortunately finished down in, in 21st place, a, a couple of basically three laps down in the end because of all the damage to the car. And the toading snapping, Bordet having a bit of a nightmare Sunday on that one. But uh, the climax of the race was most definitely towards the end. Uh, Hunter Ray again on the free stopper. He'd, he'd taken his third and final stop, I think, with 15 laps to go. And again, was was gunning down and- Andretti's other young American in Alex Rossi, who again had, had a 14-second advantage over Will Power by this point. Um, Power was just basically having a practice session that was fun for him out there, just, you know, checking out the sights of Detroit and whatnot. But um, Hunter Ray was basically driving like there was fire coming out of the back of the exhaust. Um, he, he reduced the gap by two seconds at one, on one lap, if I remember right. He did indeed. It was about two seconds. He, he, he did indeed. It was it, his, his pace was scintillating. He'd, he'd gotten down right towards the end, and I I I'm gonna have a little bit of a humble brag moment here because my, my brother will back me up on this. Um, I mean, it's nuts that he was two seconds quicker on a 2.3 mile circuit in basically the same car, but the fact that 
I said to Ryan, okay, he's going to have a little bit of problem passing Rossi because he, well, Rossi's still got about 40 seconds of push to pass. If Hunter Ray is clever, he'll back it down just a little bit and he'll bully Rossi into using all of his push to pass to basically defend because he's not going to have the exit speed on his on his more used tyres. Um, that happened. It got like Rossi's push to pass went down from about 40 to about 12 seconds. And then with about, I think it was about seven laps to go or something like that, um, Rossi snaps. He, he breaks hard for turn three. He has a f- massive, massive lockup. Um, goes off the track, has to spin it back around on the slip road. Hunter Ray breaks him, basically. He basically bullied Rossi into making a mistake. Um, it was, again, just, just magnificent driving from Hunter Ray all day long. And, you know, I, I called it. I basically called it when, when I was watching the racing with, with my brother on that one. So I'm, I'm quite proud of myself for that one. I'm. Round of, round of applause to me. What, um, <laughs> what makes it worse is that this his own like engineer and that were saying on his radio like think the bigger picture, okay. Just let Ryan Hunter way by. You take second. You're still going to be ahead in the championship. Completely, completely right. Yeah, it's his engineer said because himself. Yeah, when he because. Although he's the engineer for, or not the engineer, the strategist for Ryan Hunter Ray, Michael was not happy when Alex managed to go off into the escape road as he whacked his arm against the the table. Yeah, Andretti. Yeah, he, he, he went he went for the full Toto Wolf fist bang against against the desk on that one, and uh, mm-hmm. I, I can only imagine he was a bit nervous on on that one, given that was two of his teammates there, and again the two best drivers on his team going head to head for a victory. Um, that that couldn't have been fun for the old ticker, but um, yeah, and he lost the one-two. <laughs> yeah, lost the one-two finish, yeah. and like I got accused of being harsh for this on Twitter. But I said, and I quote, "The truly elite don't make those mistakes. He'll learn." And like it's easy to forget this is Alex Rossi's only his third season in IndyCar, and in a series that has a lot of very very experienced drivers in it, and. Like his talent is undeniable at this point. His speed is yeah. outrageous. Like he is an elite driver in this series. Now I've been saying this probably since the end of last year. I mean, let's not forget he was a title contender on the final day last year. The only one who wasn't a Penske that was in contention for the title last season, um, apart from him and Dixon. No, Dixon was as I, well. I corrected myself first, um, but um, but um, yeah, like it was. Like he's been an elite guy now. I mean, he's like before this second race, he had finished all but one race in the top five this season, including that dominant run at Long Beach. This was like the first really big Alex Rossi mistake outside of St. Pete, and even then, it was kind of understandable why Alex Rossi did what he did on that day. Um, he'll learn from this, King. I'm sure it's 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 yeah. it it's it's one of those things where I think. He has a little bit more to prove he can get this done consistently, and that was a, obviously a, a, a probably it's, it's the second time Rossi's been in a panic situation this season, and it's the second time he's made an error. Um, yeah, like he he'll learn or he'll fall into obscurity because you have to learn because there are way too many guys who have PhDs in the series. You have Scott Dixon coming off, you know. He's now third all-time in wins. He has wins in 14 consecutive seasons. And 17 out of the 18 he's taken part in. Um, it's it's ridiculous. Um, but yeah, like as, as Amanda Rell pointed out to me on Twitter, 
if that was Dixon, knowing his teammate was in third, he would have just taken the second. Like I, Dixon's, Dixon's yeah. not an idiot. He he would have he would have played it safe on that one. Rossi went for glory when he probably shouldn't have done. Um, and yeah, that's that that's a, a critical error because instead of finishing a comfortable second, given Rossi given Rossi was about fifteen seconds ahead of Will Power on on the road, he's now finished in twelfth, and then that's cost him a bucket load of points. Um, especially given he's now basically brought his teammate back into the title fight. We'll get to that in a minute. Um, but as mentioned, Hunter Ray had a clear run from there. and I, I, it, It's crazy to say that you know, like 42 seemed to be the magic number the, this weekend. It, you know, it was Scott Dixon's 42nd career open wheel victory in North America um, in race one, and it had been 42 consecutive races since Ryan Hunter Ray's last victory. You had to go back to Pocono in 2015. Like, how on earth has Hunter Ray gone nearly three years since his last victory? That is bonkers to me. Um, <laughs> it's it, for a guy of his ability and his talent. That is uh, uh, that is astonishing. Um, that that is a problem. Um, or that he's, he's gone on a dry spell for so long. But uh, King, a reminder that Captain America is back. He is alive and well, and that was a magnificent performance. Yeah. And had a death in the phone. Mm-hmm. Yep, and we got a nice pick of Ryan on a lion. Ryan on a lion. Yes, sir. Um, and, yeah. Um, I say your move, Jorge Lorenzo, because, uh, yeah, we <laughs> we had a fountain dip on this one. And, that, and yeah, it, 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 it's exactly how you imagine it. Um, Ryan Hunter Ray riding in a lion in, in a fountain to celebrate an IndyCar race victory in Detroit. <laughs> As you do. Um... Also, a couple of extra hilarious shout-outs I want to mention. Uh, Shout-out to Alex Rossi, who completely blew off ABC after the race, which I thought was hilarious, Um, as ABC was doing their final race broadcast. Um, I I made a Simpsons joke about this at the end of the broadcast, saying, like, good night, ABCDE, there will be no encores. Basically, they they, they were off within, like, ten minutes of the race being over. Because, you know... Bit of news, and then game two of the NBA Finals. Sorry, LeBron. Uh, which, uh, which, mm, that's a very big misconception because game two of the NBA Finals started. How many hours after this race? About ended? two, I think. About two, two and a half hours later. Yeah, yeah. It was. It wasn't basketball that caused the broadcast to be over. It's you know ABC's nightly news coverage. Gotta get the news in, folks. Gotta get the news in. But, um, yeah, Rossi completely blew off ABC. They, they, they asked him, what happened, Alex? It was like, I've got to talk to these guys about it. I have no idea what's happened. Um, sorry. And that was it. <laughs> the quickest IndyCar post-race interview I think I've ever seen. Um, on that one, which I thought was also quite funny. And as mentioned, yeah, ABC's final brace broadcast, I'd be lying if I said they'll be missed by a lot of fans. Though, the overnights have come out, and... Mm, Spicy. Uh, Saturday's race Saturday's race got a uh, .6, which is down on last year's .7. Though, for some reason, Sunday's race is up on last year's. Last year got a .8. This year it's got a .9. I don't know why Sunday's race was different, but let's just say it had something to do with a Corvette going, you know... Front first into a wall. Are you suggesting that the, the Corvette pace car went so viral so quickly it actually spiked a rating? <sighs> well, the race start was delayed because of it, so 
conceivably the path for nearly 45 minutes or yeah so there's there enough time for people to tune in and be like what's this indie car about <laughs> Yeah, so goodbye to ABC after their years and years of IndyCar coverage. They went out on a whimper and not a bang. And shout out to our man Danny Brennan, who during the unpopular opinion event of, um, of, of viral tweets that went out for everything from Yu-Gi-Oh cards to IndyCar, um, turns out his unpopular opinion was, and I quote, <clears throat> Ryan Hunter Ray will never win another IndyCar race. That lasted four uh, days. Well done, Brennan. <laughs> Though we do have to preface that, now Motorsport 101 IndyCar Fantasy Leader, Danny Brennan. So, state of our, state of our league, mate. If Danny Brennan is on top, then this league has gone to shit. I, I, I've just, I'm currently raging with the fact that I can no longer have the team I have had since the first race. You knew this was going to happen. Yeah, but I was hoping it was going to happen later than now. You noob. <laughs> yes, Mark. I honestly wasn't expecting Marco to spike so quickly. Lies, lies, <laughs> lies. I, I always, like, Alex and Will are both $31. Um, Marco is now 22 and Ed Jones is 18. But hey, you're, 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 you're now I... in fifth place overall, Zoe, so hey, it, it, it's... Riding this is good. Fifth place by <laughs> fifth place by sticking to the same four drivers for every single race. It's <laughs> it's worked. You had the Indy 500 winner for God's sake. <sighs> yes. <laughs> yeah. So like, just, just a quick rundown. Danny Brennan leads the way by 37 points ahead of ahead of Mitch uh, M- Mitchell Muffins on Twitter. Hi, Mitch. Nice to see you in second. Tyler Small in third. Our Canadian chum. Who said Romo in fourth, and then Zoe in fifth. Ahead of Charles Reginald, Joe Ellis, Sarah Connors in eight, face Sarah, and Krista Harding. She was in first at the start of the weekend, right? Wow. <laughs> yeah, she. I think she remembered to put in drivers for the first race, but forgot for the second. Well, she's fallen down the order faster than Joseph Newgarden did in the overall series standings. <sighs> and breaking the Motorsports Magazine, their, their Hall of Fame for the US Racing, it is Phil Hill. Yeah, I think we'll save that for the next episode. Yeah, right. we'll get into that. Zoe, just, just such, such, a, such a spoiler. Had to get an American reference in, didn't she? God damn it. <laughs> but, um... I'm sorry we were talking about an American-based motorsport, so I figured I'm mentioning <laughs> the American Hall of Fame winner was relevant. Levels. Levels. But, um, right, right, let's get, like, I'm, in, I'm ahead of Drain Raid on two rounds. Yeah, I kind of gave up after the opening round on this one this year, to be honest with you. Um, me and fantasy sports don't mix. I'll be honest enough to admit that. Right, running order for race two, real quick. Run Hunter Ray wins in the end by just over 11 seconds from Will Power in second. Ed Jones back on the podium, his second podium of the year for Chip Ganassi in third. Uh, a very lonely but solid race from him. He had Scott Dixon uh, behind him, beating his teammate too. Brilliant job for Ed Jones. Uh, third, Dixon fourth. Ray Hall back in, for- back in form in fifth place. Wickens in sixth. Tony Canaan seventh. Kimball, like his best ever result for Carlin as well. Eighth place in the end. Uh, do I have to upgrade him again? God damn it. Um, no, no, no. <laughs> King insists I do not. I'll give him another round first. Marco Andretti in ninth. Simon Pagano back up to 10th. Chilton 11th. Rossi 12th after his. 
Um, tires basically detonating at the end. Zach Veach in 13th ahead of Matt L- L- Lice. Joseph Newgarden really struggled out there this weekend. Only 15th for him. His tweet uh, on the occasion was on to Texas. Um, quickly forgetting about this weekend and Texas heading to Bill Belichick, which I thought was quite funny. Hinchcliffe really struggled on this one. 16th uh, for him. The his season going to shit is, is is continuing at a rate of knots. He was the last man on the lead lap. Um, sigh. Takuma Sato in 17th ahead of Jordan King, Gary Chavez, Santino Ferrucci. As mentioned, Sebastian Bordes tires. This is um, his toe line breaking, finishing down in 21st. Brené Binder in 22nd, and Spencer Piggott, who didn't make it past the opening lap. Um, sad times there. Now, the IndyCar Championship now, after these two weekends, it's looking very different after, the, after, after these two races in Detroit. Just like that, Will Power, who had a very quiet second race and took a very comfortable second, is now back in the lead of the championship again after losing it after race one. He's now five points ahead of Scott Dixon in second, who... Finds a way. He always does. Only five points back on 304. Alex Rossi, another six back on 298. Up to fourth, Ryan Hunter. Right, ladies and gentlemen. Only 31 points off the top now on 278 after a first and a second in Detroit. Uh, wow, what a pair of results he's had. New Garden, uh, further eight points back on 270 in fifth. Robert Wickens now quite a way away back now in sixth. But let's not forget, he's still a rookie. It's, 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 it's good, honestly. Um, 232 in sixth. Graham Rahal on 221 in 7th. Marco up to 8th place. Hey! Nice pink, by the way. 197 in 8th place. Sebastian Bourdais on 194 in 9th. And Simon Pagano rounds off the top 10 with 188. IndyCar back this weekend on Saturday night in Texas. Zoe apparently staying up for it because she likes pain. <laughs> I've not just got the Texas race off. I've got the this there's the summer tour for the, the rugby and we're playing Canada and it's on at two. On the BBC. She likes pain. Um so <laughs> um so after that um I'm not going to pretend like it was the best pair of races in Detroit, but hey, apparently people are fighting hard for it to come back on the calendar next year. So, you know, if you're into that sort of thing, hopefully it's back next year. So with that in hand, before let's move on from IndyCar and let's get into the news. into the news and whew, to be fair it's 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 not a particularly you know deep set of news this time round um thoughts go out to John Andretti sadly we got we got the news between our podcast recordings from last week and now that uh, it's like his cancer has returned and it's spread to more places as well unfortunately you probably noticed the Andretti cars were running uh, a special sticker um, for for John and again can only wish him the the very best in his in his continuing fight with cancer unfortunately um so uh, yeah he's hoping that uh, he he's hoping he, he keeps the fight going um, a little bit, you know, da- you know, dabbing back into um, Detroit a little bit. Um, there were some visitors down there, King. Um, turns out, uh, Uncle Zach, the cool uncle from from Autosport and McLaren, was in Detroit this weekend. Yes, in the the long running story of 
McLaren, IndyCar. It gonna happen? Question mark. Maybe. By going to Detroit, he's clearly looking at a Chevy team. But he hung around Andretti Autosport. Is he going to try and convince Andretti to swap to Chevy? We doing this or again? Maybe it was you know. The, or or let's let's be real here, Occam's Razor and all that. Uh, it was probably the most convenient IndyCar round for him to go to, considering that obviously he can't go to Indianapolis because of Monaco, and with Canada being the next Formula One round, and this being an off weekend for Formula One, uh, IndyCar in Montreal. I mean, IndyCar in Detroit seemed like the perfect place, you know, to spend your off weekend before you have to head, you know, about you know up up the ways down the road to Montreal. But come on, tinfoil hats people. <laughs> they never come up with McLaren. Um, <laughs> but I mean, yeah, they're, they're totally not doing an IndyCar thing until it's official. Um, <clears throat> but um, yes, they did meet up with a lot of the guys in the series for, I'm sure, you know, hearty discussions about, you know, the brisket in Detroit and nothing to do with the potential of them having an IndyCar mm-hmm. entry next year. Of course. And if they could have that piece, they'd have to prize it from Oriole Servia's cold, stable fingers. Um, Zach Brown would have crashed that pace car. <laughs> oh, oh, I'm pretty sure he would have crashed it in more spectacular fashion. Look, if you're gonna have a wreck like that, have it be a spectacular one and obviously a safe one. Um, but uh, yes, McLaren was in Detroit for for potential IndyCar talks because we've not mentioned we've not mentioned this very much on the show because it, this a lot of it's just been kind of just more smoke, really. Like, yeah, like, we, like we the, mentioned it. We mentioned it at the start. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Like when it when it first became a thing, then we we're like, oh, we'll wait till something actually happens. And we haven't really had that yet, so you know, it's you have to wait and see how that plays out. But uh, more hopefully concrete news on that in the future. Um, going to, into F one, and we have a couple of tire fires brewing up over here. Um, Force India, and if you've been following this following this for a little while now, um. BJ Malia has resigned as director of Force India to the surprise of no one that kind of knows this story really. Um, it's been a it's been a while coming. Um, King obviously the, the heat around VJ and having to go back to to India to face charges and whatnot. It's it, it's been a bit messy to say the least. Um, <laughs> a bit. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm being nice when I say a bit messy. But uh, King, it's finally like finally some movement in that Force India board. Yes, where Zach Brown, I mean, where VJ Malia has resigned from. (laughs) 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 Biggest plot twist ever! Oh my god. Well, VJ Malia has resigned as director of Force India, but he will remain as team principal. (laughs) But I guess it's like in the same way that Sir Frank Williams is still team principal of Williams. Oh boy. And... Well, uh, in a quote to Autosport, uh, he said, I continue as team principal. There was no com- uh, compulsion anywhere to resign. It's just that I decide I decided that my son should replace me. Bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> I have my own legal issues to take care of, so it's better that the company remains unaffected. Rumors keep going on and on and on, and people talk and talk and talk. That's what the Formula One paddock is all about. The finances of Force India, whether I'm selling or not, has been a matter of speculation on and off for many years. 
Oh my many god. Many years. That kind of says it all, really, doesn't it? Many years. Oh, he keeps going. He keeps oh god, going. there's more. Go on. We we don't we don't go around with the for sale sign. The bottom line is that we are focusing on getting the best performance out of the car. That is our priority priority. We are focusing on getting more sponsors. There are three shareholders. Remember, I'm not the only one. Oh good. Oh dear. What, what oh a re- dear. What a reassuring statement that was, eh? Let's. <laughs> it's like he he didn't re- he, like his stepping down as director had absolutely nothing to do with his ongoing legal issues. He just wanted his son to just just happen to run it now, basically. <clears throat> Not suspicious at all, hey folks, huh? Yeah, he also downplayed the the rumors that uh, there could be a deal in the works for. Forcing India to become a Mercedes BT. Oh! Or he said, we've not had any discussions with Mercedes. They have not, they have not made any approach to us. There isn't even, this hasn't featured in casual discussions. (laughs) Apart from that time at Monaco where Toto told Esteban Ocon to get out of the way for Lewis Hamilton. But that's not the same. Yeah, of course it isn't. In, in other news, pigs can now fly. Um, <laughs> it's not the same, apparently. It's not the same. But not, not the same. King, meanwhile, um, the William shit show has continued. Oh dear. Their head of dynamics, their head of aerodynamics, uh, Dirk De Beer, has stepped down from his role at, at Williams effective immediately. <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's like Monaco. They, like Monaco, the track they're, they're normally quite crap at anyway was like the final straw, apparently. <laughs> yeah, like they gave the standard PR line for any person who leaves the team. The team would like to thank Dirk for all his hard work over the past year and wish him the best for the future. Remember, he's only been at Williams for one year. <laughs> Not good, King. Not good. Like, that that season for Williams is really going to crap, isn't it? Yeah, continuing on in their statement, Chief Engineer uh, Doug McKiernan, who joined Williams earlier this year, will now now assume full responsibility over aerodynamic and design direction of the car. With Dave Weather previous head of aerodynamic performance stepping on, stepping up to take on the role of head of aerodynamics. I, I speak on behalf of everyone here when I say good luck. Um, I think you'll need it. Uh, the way the way the season's going out for Williams. But hey, then they normally go well in Canada, so you know, hopefully, better weekend ahead. Yeah, four, 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 four points over six races. I don't think things are going to get better. Really? Well, they can't get any worse, surely. Um. Well. <laughs> surely. I. I. I don't think we've yet to see the bottom of this trench yet. Lewis, save that quote just in case. I have a feeling we may need it. <laughs> <laughs> just, just throwing that out there. Um, had to give a quick talk about MotoGP as well. Shout out to Jorge Lorenzo for after 24 struggleicious races in Ducati. He gets his first win for the Ducati team at Mugello in a genuine shock. Um, like He was a good 16-1 to 1 to win that race as he was going off. I mean, he was second on the grid to be fair but 
people were thinking it could be Ian Oney, it could be Marquez, Valentino Rossi stuck it on pole because sod it, it's Valentino. Like he has mythical powers at this point. I can't explain how he keeps doing this shit. Um, Marquez had a very good pace all weekend, but it was Lorenzo that took the whole shot, thinking he's going to fade like he normally does, and he just didn't on this occasion. Um, Lorenzo took off. That was fun. Um, I mean, he's already said that it's probably too late. By, by all accounts, he's probably out of that Ducati team next year. Where he ends up, who knows? You'll have to listen to another bike show regarding that to, to get the full the full juicy gossip on that. But King, was, wasn't that Moto3 race fun? <laughs> oh dear. Oh dear. That was the one thing I was looking forward to that I haven't gotten to yet. Like, get me interested in this. Get me interested for... for Moto3 at Mugello, even though that is, like, trying to sell, like, like, milk to a milkman right now. <laughs> yeah, it's like trying to sell ice to the Eskimos here, but, like, it's, like, to be fair, like, I'd actually make a case that Moto2 was the best race of the weekend, Ooh. and that, which is, which is spicy in its own self. It wasn't your usual Moto3 Mugello 20 bike in lead group clusterfuck. It was... A leading group of three between uh, the two Grissini, the two Grissini Hondas of Jorge Martin, um, who had another pole position. I think is eleventh in Moto Three now for those keeping score at home. Um, it's his teammate Fabio Di Antonio who wanted to seek revenge after having his win yanked off him at Le Mans, um, and the championship leader Marco Bezzecchi. Um, and those three basically beat the shit out of each other for 20 laps, and it was great. Um, a very tactical sort of race, a lot of, um, following and slipstreaming. I won't say who won, you'll have to, again, you'll have to listen to Bike Life for that one. I'll keep, I'll keep the results spoiler-free, but that was the main focus. It was a three-way total dogfight for the win between, uh, DG, Martin, and Bezeki. Um, it went viral as well because not only was there a big crack in the windscreen and some gravel got sprayed onto the track um, due to Adam Norrie having a big crash um, through turn five, um, put some gravel out there and one of the pieces basically hit Martin's windshield and cracked it, um, believe it or not. But he also got an on board of a hare jumping onto the track <laughs> during, the, during the race itself and had to take evasive action not to be run over by Martin's Moto3 bike at about 90 miles an hour. Um, it was pretty funny, I have to say. If you haven't seen it, you can go on MotoGP social media because they milk it any time their sport goes bloody viral with anything. Um, so check that one out if you haven't already. Um, basically, quick wrap-up, Moto3... Not the not what not what people would have expected going into Mugello, but still, I think a very very good race. Moto Two was my race of the weekend. Um, absolutely brilliant fight up there between uh, Miguel Oliveira, uh, Peko Banyaya was was in the mix as well. Lorenzo Baldassari, um, those three had a fantastic dogfight for the Moto Two wins. Um, it's 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 a weird one, um, but it was very very fun, surprisingly fun Moto Two race on that one and Murdo GP was kind of a bore off the Marcus at the deck unfortunately. It was it was a nice like second group between Dovi, Rossi, Petrucci and the two Suzuki's. I mean Alex Rins was a nice surprise up there, but uh, it, it never really reached top gear on that one. More on that on bike live this no, coming weekend. One one tangential story. My mm. usually one of my favourite parts about the Italian Italian Grand Prix weekend 
is usually Milestone releases a good chunk of gameplay footage for their latest MotoGP release. They, and MotoGP, MotoGP 18 looks good. It looks very good. It's the uh, first time they're on the Unreal 4 engine for for MotoGP 18 this year. I mean, they, they got it up to 60 frames per second last year with, with the 17 release. And yeah, this is the first time they're using the Unreal 4 engine. It looks very nice indeed. I've seen, a, I've seen a, a bit of gameplay for it. I think it's coming out this Friday, actually, I believe. So, um... More on that soon. I'll be picking that up for sure. Um, so I'll be uh, yeah. I'll be I'll be picking it up too. Hey, maybe if you guys are into it, me and Trey could go head to head. You don't want these problems, King. <laughs> Every time you face me in a video game, it goes very badly for you. You know that, right? Hey, hey. This time I have no aspirations at all. It'll be me on my midfield KTM. Just trying to do work. It, it'll, it'll be you on the in the in the inside of the penultimate corner at Sepang. Maybe a leg might stick out. Who knows? <laughs> oh my god! Uh, we'll have to wait and see what Great. happens. <laughs> so yeah, more on MotoGP 18 probably next week. We'll talk about. I'll, I'll probably if I can. I might. I might go Lewis into talking about the game on, on an episode of Mike Live or something if that ends up being a thing next week. So. To keep the show from not being like 45 minutes long, we're bringing back the mailbag, ladies and gentlemen. It's back! Woo! The mailbag is here. It was dusty. Yay. It was dusty, torn up in a corner, but we brought it back. We got Gromit to sift through the mail, um, as the gif on our Twitter page put it out there. Um, so, thanks everybody who sent in questions. Much appreciated. Um, and I'll run through some of them now. Um... Sam Me at uh, at Tamiya. Sorry if I've mispronounced your Twitter handle, by the way. Much um, forgive me on that one. Who will be the first American to drive for Haas full time, and how long will we wait for it? Ooh, I'd, I'd say get ready for a long wait, my friends. <laughs> get, yeah. get ready for a long, may, maybe Neil Verhagen. Maybe it's gonna take. It's gonna take like a miracle IndyCar import. Which I don't think is going to happen either, but I don't think there's an American on European shores that's that's good enough at the moment to justify that sort of opportunity. If anything, it wouldn't surprise me if if we end up seeing Charles Leclerc in that Haas team next season. To be honest, I don't, I can't see any. Americans. Whoa, Dre, that's not the question. <laughs> that's not the question. When will we see him? Not not not. True. If True. it will be next, when? <laughs> and yeah, Charles Leclerc, his passport ain't ain't American. Quite the opposite, I think you'll find. Um, but yeah, I, I I can't see it anytime soon. If I'm being honest, I just I just don't think there's anyone in there. I mean, Ferrucci just isn't there yet. Really, he's not had the best Formula Two season out there. Um, and his sprint race performance at Monaco didn't exactly help. If you've seen it, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Synchronized crashing. Um, it wasn't pretty. Um, James Calantis, um, sorry, Calantis, I should say, sorry, probably for pronouncing your name, sends me a tweet saying, if there was a Davis Cup of racing, who would you pick? Um, Ooh, I, think, I think we should save that, because that's, that's I think we save that, because I feel like RJ would really enjoy that question, and we'd spend a lot of time talking about yeah, this. Yeah, that, that's yeah. a fun one. So James, like, for the second... I'll, I'll save yeah, that. I've got it yeah. liked on, on, our, on our likes on the Twitter handle, but, uh, yeah, like, James, for the second time in the history of this podcast, you're getting a question reserved as a special for an episode. Well done, sir. You're asking you some good questions. <laughs> um, 
He says, who would you pick? Criteria, one open wheel driver, one touring car driver, one endurance driver, one junior driver, and one motorbike rider. For USA, UK, Canada, France, Italy, Australia, and feel free to add more in. Cheers. Sorry for the essay. Well done, James. You're getting your own separate episode. Congratulations. Uh, Again, may I add. Um... It's a funny thing for you, like, Kelly, our super fan. Hi, Kelly. We love you. Hope you like the t-shirt you got in the mail today. Um, she said, if you could pick three riders from MotoGP or World Superbikes and put them in an F1 car, who would you pick? That's asking... That's, that, that's, that's, that's probably going towards me, isn't it? Um, <laughs> three riders from MotoGP or World Superbikes and to put them in an F1 car. I guess it's a reference to Marquez and Pedrosa driving the uh, Toro Rosso tomorrow. It should be fun. Um... Well, you, you can't not have Mark Marquez um, because he's Mark Marquez. I mean, there's, there's rumours still floating around that Jonathan Ray could still go to MotoGP next season. Um, his agent was at Le Mans a couple of weeks back chatting with people. Jonathan himself has admitted he's had factory offers on the table. Whether that be from Repsol, I don't know. Um, I think Aprilia is definitely interested, but I don't think there's any chance he goes to Aprilia. I think he has the same mentality as Tom Sykes, where it's like, he's only going to go over if it's a really good team. Um, Because why wouldn't you? Kawasaki are dominating World Superbikes right now. They are doing it for a tenth of the budget you you would be if you were in MotoGP. Um, and on a personal level, World Superbike's calendar is a lot nicer. Um, there's only 13 rounds as opposed to the 19 we have now in MotoGP. You're not traveling as much. You can spend more time with his family. It's a very young family. He's only got both his kids. I don't think are any older than three. Um, you know, he loves his wife and his kids. It's an easier schedule for him. And he's basically a god to Kawasaki at this point. If he's in all the American commercials for the brand over there. I've seen him during IndyCar races. It's like Jonathan Ray is on Kawasaki's biking commercials. It's nuts. Yep. <laughs> and and he... he I've seen him do tours of the, of, of, the, of the Kawasaki factory back in Japan. They're, they're rolling out the red carpet for him. Like He has done so much for that brand. And he's probably going to win his fourth consecutive... Superbike Championship and probably take the wins record next time out in Bruno this weekend. So um, that would be win number 60 for Jonathan, by the way. Um, that's terrifying to me. Um, me personally, I would love to see Jonathan Ray on that dream team with Marquez. Like, there is a possibility that could happen. Uh, if Honda's putting up an offer, I mean, a team of Mark Marquez and Jonathan Ray is uh, mouthwatering, to say the least. Um... I would say Marquez, Jonathan Ray, and I would take the other really, really great rider of this era that doesn't get enough credit, Casey Stoner, if I could as well, who's actually tried to drive cars unsuccessfully. Um, <laughs> but um, I'm, I'm, I was a big Stoner fan growing up as well. Um, don't tell Rebecca James that. Um, she'll never let me live it down. Um, but uh, if I had to pick three, I would probably say, yeah, Marquez, Jonathan Ray, Casey Stoner. Um, I'd probably go with Mark Marquez, Jack Miller, Ooh. and Andrea Davizioso. I, I think 
those three mm. could do could do wonders on four wheels. I like Jack Miller. That's quite an underrated pick. I don't know if you heard this little rumor as well, but uh, apparently Honda tried to buy Jack Miller out of his contract at Ducati. Yeah, I heard about that. Yeah, they were, they were willing to give him a million euros to buy Jack Miller out, and like Jack Miller apparently turned down the Honda. He's like, no, no, I'm good now on this Pramac. It's all good. Um, <laughs> it's probably going to get a GP19 next year, but the way it's going, it's looking. Rumor has it, Petrucci could be getting the factory seat. Just keep half an eye on that. Um, Kelly with another question asking, any World Cup predictions? I don't know, why don't we ask the American about his opinions on the World Cup? Hey, hey ain't that right, King? <sighs> <laughs> Am I allowed to have an opinion? You can. The World Cup is until next year in Japan. Oh my god! <laughs> Go, King, you can, t- you, can t- you can tell us about oh, the dude. America's uh, first round exit in the World Cup of Darts instead, if you like. Yeah, I, I think we we have to acknowledge the fact that one country stands better than all the rest to win this year's World Cup, and it is the greatest European nation, Germany. Germany, huh? Um, yeah, that was. Yeah, I think I think Germany's going all the way again. Yeah, I forgot to give that. I to mention that was another Kelly question. So shout out to Kelly on that one. Um, I've had a chat about this. I'm going to go for the French. Um, I think, I mean, France, they made the Euro 2016 final. Um, Antoine Griezmann was player of the tournament during during that tournament. He probably should have nailed that that free header he had to, to put Portugal out in the final. But, uh, yeah, Ronaldo took all the credit for that one, too. Um, but um, I, think the, I think the French team is great. I love their creativity. I think Kylian Mbappe is going to be a very underrated pick for player of the tournament. I'd say keep half an eye on that. Um, still only 18 years old. He's terrifyingly good. Um, but, yeah, I, I like Germany is a fair shout. Didn't take Leroy Sané, which is a bit of a surprise to me, um, given that he was the Premier League Young Player of the Year this year. Um, they're taking Marco Royce, Julian Draxler, and uh, Julian Brandt instead for, for Bayer Leverkusen, which I thought was a bit of a surprise pick. Um, I, fi- I, I don't... like Brazil are the bookies' favourites. I don't... I, I don't I'm, not, I'm not buying the Brazilian hype train. Like... Name. There's there's always a Brazilian hype dream. Happens every time. Like and don't get me wrong, like Neymar is the definition of a big game player. He'll still be leading that team as the captain going forward as well. They've actually got some strikers now by having Gabriel Jesus at Man City and Roberto Firmino at Liverpool. That certainly helps. Um I just can't quite get behind them. I think the defense is gonna be a little bit dodgy. Um I'm not sure if they're going to score enough goals to make that work. I, mean, I, I think I think they have Neymar. So they, they, they can't ever rule them out. But if I had to, pick, if somebody put a gun to my head, I would say France. And for those guys that like an outsider bet, go Croatia. I think Croatia are, are not getting enough talk at the moment. They've completely stacked midfield: Perisic, Kovacic, Modric. Um, Rakitic is in there as well. Um, Mandzukic up front for the, the Juventus striker. Keep an half an eye on Croatia. Um, if, if you... I, King has a has a question Don't. to also add on to Don't. this. How far? They, how far do you think the debutants get? Iceland. Uh, who are the other new countries making their World Cup debut this time around? Panama. Uh, yeah, Panama and Saudi Arabia. Um. Well. <laughs> See, Iceland were pretty good at the Euros. They knocked out England, and um, we can never let that one go away now, can we? Um, 
you know, basically, they beat us, we stole their celebration. Um, which I thought was funny, which is the most English thing of all time. Um, just, 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 we, we lose, but we still just, we still just take your shit, basically. Um, but yeah, I mean, Iceland has got enough team chemistry where they, they might, might just sneak out of their group. Um, I can't see Panama and Saudi Arabia getting that that sort of treatment. Um, I think they're going to struggle on that one. I, I, Saudi Arabia are not a footballing nation of any real kind. Panama, great, they made it. You know, fantastic, they made it for, for their country. Their first time ever, they're going to make it. But I think Iceland of the debutants probably has the best chance of getting out of the group and getting into the last 16 um, out of the three newcoming countries but um yeah i if you want again if i said if you want a dark horse shout go croatia if you ask me um maybe portugal because they, they just happen to have ronaldo it, it certainly helps i'm just saying um <laughs> as, as you do um couple more questions uh, let's have a quick look here Starts one from my man Henry Chapman who goes, Why is Paul Lim such a god? Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's a very good question. That is a very good question. Um, like, those guys who don't know, like, RJ, if he was here, would, would be a fantastic adversary on this question because it was the World Cup of Darts this week as well. Um, I love the World Cup of Darts. It's a great tournament. Um, all the darting nations come together. It's a pairs tournament as well, as well. So. What happens is it's it's um, a best of three, um, best of seven legs in each game. Like each there's each singles player plays each other, and then if necessary in round three, it's a pairs game. Um, the the big shock was uh, Singapore almost scaring England in round two as Paul Lim beat the reigning world champion Rob Cross <laughs> in their singles game. Paul Lim, who is 64 years old <laughs> and is still mixing it with the very best in the game. You may remember he went viral at Christmas because he very nearly had a nine-darter against Gary Anderson. Um, and Lim is famous for having, the, I think, the first televised nine-darter um, on British TV. Um, and that would have been, like, I think, 20-plus years after his first. And, uh, yeah, 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 so twenty seven, like basically twenty seven years on, um, it would have been the most spectacular nine darts probably ever. But he just came on the underside of the wire. It was unfortunate, but yes, Paul Lim is a god. Um, I, I do not understand how he keeps doing this. He's he's old enough to have for a bus pass next year, and yet he's still as good as anyone darts wise on the planet on his day. God bless the great Paul Lim. He is a god, and he is a god amongst men. Um, and finally, last question of the show goes to Jason Poland, one of our Patreon backers. Hi, Jason. Um, behold the shuckle. The shuckle is great. Um, he messaged me. He messaged me saying, "When's the next draft?" <laughs> Good <What>? question. <laughs> Want to do another one, I'm... like in the same style last year's one, post spring break. I mean, post summer break. Yeah. I prefer I preferred the season one format compared to the season two format, to be honest. But um, I, I got no problem with this. That could be fun. I'm game. Of course you're game, Zoe. Like, just don't finish last this time. <laughs> just don't I didn't finish, finish last. <laughs> sorry, sorry, second from last. But I beat you, so ha! <laughs> oh my god. I beat you and I, I had the worst pick of the draft and I still finished in third. Like, I, I still can't believe I shithoused that one. 
I'm, I'm very funny about that. But yeah, I'm down for that after, after the summer. We'll, we'll figure out a format then. I mean, by then we'll be close to episode 150. Good, good, good God. Oh, um, God. 150? Jesus Christ. We, 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 we need to retire soon. Like, this, is, this is getting out of hand. Um, although, to be fair, given this was ever meant to be 10 episodes, I think we, went, we, think we skipped out of hand quite some time ago. But... Um, that, I believe, will just about do it for this week's episode of Motorsport 101. Thank you very much for listening. Basically, you can find us one more time. We're on youtube.com forward slash motorsport101. We're on facebook.com forward slash motorsport101. We're on Twitter at motorsport underscore 101. And if you'd like to follow us personally on Twitter, you can at Harrison101HD, at Ryan Eric King, at WeZoe as well. And if you really, really like us, you can back us on Patreon, patreon.com forward slash motorsport101. $5 gets you early access to both this show and to Bike Live as well. That Again, episode 62 of that is up right now. 63 will be out probably later this weekend. Um, all the news and breakdown of all the action from MotoGP at Mugello. Um, a fun weekend for all involved. And a preview to World Superbikes this weekend at Bruno. That should be fun indeed. Will Jonathan Ray make his and take the all-time wins record off of Carl Fogarty. Keep half. And also Canadian Grand Prix this weekend. Yeah, Fernando Alonso, the Fernando Alonso 300th Grand Prix this weekend. Wow, he's in the 300 club this weekend. Wow, um, that's that's a pretty special club. Uh, and Henry mentioned it as well. It's, it's a big weekend for us next week. Uh, Formula One in Canada and Formula E. and in the first licensed, um, sanctioned motorsport event in Switzerland. For God, over sixty years, I think, right, King? Yeah, since nineteen fifty-five. Saturday. Yep. 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 And it, and as Zoe mentioned, it is on Sunday, not the usual Saturday for Formula E. So keep half an eye on that. Um, I'm sure Hazel will have some really cool written piece up. So yeah, it's an absolutely stacked weekend. We've got IndyCar in Texas as well this weekend, um, which, with given the last two years, will be ridiculous to say the least. So, are you going to stay up for it? No. <laughs> I'm getting too old for this. And if I'm at work, I'm probably going to be like up at like six in the morning. So that's just that's just a no-go for me um, on that one. But uh, knowing IndyCar, the half-hour version will be up like a day later. So I'll probably just stick to that. Um, but yeah, like Formula Reeds are IndyCar in Texas. Superbikes in Bruno um, as well. And of course, the Canadian Grand Prix. Um, and another anticipated Lewis Hamilton dogfight with Sebastian Vettel, especially now that apparently Daniel Ricciardo will be taking a grip penalty this weekend. So uh, everybody off the Ricciardo hype train for at least another week. Uh, so that should be fun. All of that, probably two episodes next week, so keep half an eye on that. But um, in the meantime, I've been Andre Harrison, they've been Zoe Hamilton and Ryan King, and until next time, thank you very much for listening, and sayonara. Bye. Bye! <laughs> 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 you are the world champion!